the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. And I embraced and accepted God's best for me, which I believe was revealed to me through the pages of the scripture. And God and his word became the rising sun for me. God and his word became what I orient everything to now. Everything about my life is oriented to, I'm not saying I always do everything right according to what scripture says. We're all in process. It's all a journey. But I'm saying my fixed reference point, the rising sun, the orientation of my life now is God and his word. Let the orientation of your entire life be upon God's Word. In today's message from Pastor Gary, he reminds you that God never changes. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Therefore, you can trust Him in all things. His Word is reliable and true. Pastor Gary encourages you to be in Scripture more often. God's Word is your compass for navigating this life. Allow God and the Bible to be your firm foundation within this life. Everything else will fail and be a house of sand. But God's Word is secure. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 60% of millennials, you know how they were guided in terms of their moral compass? It relates to whatever situation that they, quote, are able to feel what is right, end quote. Now, at the end of this lengthy article, Joel Stein ends up saying, but listen, I say all some of the raw data and some of the cold, hard facts, but he commends millennials being optimistic entrepreneurs you know, seeing about how like the world is before them, being very creative and inventive and, and all high tech savvy and all this. And at the end of the article, he says, so yes, we have all that data about narcissism and laziness and entitlement, but a generation's greatness isn't determined by data. It's determined by how they react to the challenges that befall them. And just as important by how we react to them. Whether you think millennials are the new greatest generation of optimistic entrepreneurs or a group of 80 million people about to implode in a dwarf star of tears when their expectations are unmet depends largely on how you view change. Me, Joel Stein says, I choose to believe in the children. God knows they do, end quote. So... Uh, just to point out that sometimes there can be this preoccupation. You know, I, I read this quote, and this should challenge all of us in terms of are we more obsessed about ourselves or are we more focused on others? Do you climb a high mountain because you want to be able to see the world 
or you want the world to be able to see you. So there is this obsession with self, and, and sometimes that can lead to this entitlement thing, and that lends itself to why we sue people, because we want, we want, we think we deserve. Well, he goes on here in verse um, 9, and he says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And let me tell you why he's pointing out these things. He happens to list here ten things that he describes as wicked. Verse 9 is the word he uses. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists ten sinful behaviors. And by the way, four out of ten relate to sexual sin. Uh, whether he talks here about the sexually immoral, we have a King James Bible that says fornicators, that's sex before marriage. And then he talks about adulterers, that's obviously sex outside of marriage. Talks about male prostitutes, and he talks about homosexual offenders. You have to remember again, Corinth, this city, steeped in all kinds of immorality. Temple of Aphrodite stood there, it's the temple to the love goddess. And at any one time, there were a thousand temple prostitutes employed during the Roman Empire in service of Aphrodite at the Temple of Aphrodite. The church at Corinth is influenced by the culture. Every church is going to be influenced by the culture. But the issue is, will we allow the culture to influence us, or will we influence the culture more? We will all be facing uh, uh, the reality of the culture trying to encroach upon the church, trying to shape the church, trying to influence the church. But the issue becomes, will the church rise up and be an influencer of the culture? And so Paul is saying, you need to be aware of the fact that these kind of things are in your culture, but that God calls these things sinful. God calls sexual immorality, any kind of sexual activity outside of the bounds of marriage between one man and one woman to be, to be sinful. He, he adds to that the whole other stuff about um, thieves and greedy and drunkards and slanderers and swindlers. But four out of ten here are, are sexual sins. There, there is a lot of confusion in the first century Roman Empire, and there's a lot of confusion in the 21st century American culture about things related to sexuality. There's a lot of confusion. There, there is, there's now gender confusion. It's not that it's brand new. It's just you know being talked about more. There's, there's gender confusion there's sexual identity confusion. You know, you know what's interesting? The whole term even sexual orientation. Sexual orientation. The word orientation, orient, is from the Latin word oriens, meaning the rising east. You know, the sun rises in the east. And the Latin word oriens means rising or east. It used to be before Google Maps that the way that you would orient yourself is to always find the rising sun. 
because the rising sun always would rise in the east. That is why Asia is sometimes called the Orient, because it is in the east from that same Latin word, from that same term. But in order for you to make sure you were walking in the right direction, you would have to find a fixed, reliable point of reference. And that would be the rising sun. So you would orient yourself to the rising sun. You know the reason why there is such confusion in our culture today is because too many people don't have a fixed reference point anymore. That's why they are confused. That's why they are disoriented. Because without a common fixed reference point, then there is confusion. Because nobody seems to then understand, well, what is right and what's wrong and what's up and what's, and what's down. You know, listen, when I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ and I came to realize that God loves me and Jesus died for me, then I embraced and accepted God's best for me, which I believe was revealed to me through the pages of the Scripture. And God and His Word became the rising sun for me. God and His Word became what I orient everything to now. Everything about my life is oriented to... I'm not saying I always do everything right according to what Scripture says. We're all in process. It's all a journey. But I'm saying my fixed reference point, the rising sun, the orientation of my life now is God and His Word. And so I don't have to anymore wonder what defines right and wrong because I accept what God says is right and wrong. I don't, I don't share the same confusion that the world shares about certain things. What is this and what is that and what does this mean? Because I accept what God says in his definition. You know, we, we got people like Miley Cyrus now. People are inventing words now like she's pansexual. Pansexual. Like, what do all these new terms mean? Miley Cyrus said, quote, I'm 22. She said this last year. I'm 22. Going on dates, but I change my style every two weeks, let alone who I'm with, end quote. Now, that doesn't sound to me like somebody who's happy about experimentation. That, to me, sounds like somebody who's confused. And this kind of confusion is because our culture has lost a fixed reference point. They don't know where the rising sun is anymore. And so we as a church have to understand that the way we live our lives is based on the orientation of Scripture. This is our rising sun. This is, this, is where, this is so that we know we're walking in the right direction. We orient our lives according to what God says. So I say all that because you can read this list of ten offenses here, ten sins. And to an unbelieving world, and maybe even for some of you who are listening to this Bible study, and you don't profess to be a Christian, or maybe somebody brought you here, you're going to look at this list and you're going to think, what a bunch of haters. What a bunch of haters. You, you mean to tell me you're saying that, that sex outside of marriage, before marriage, or if you're married and you have sex with people other than your, your, your husband or your wife, and homosexuality and drunkenness and greed and stuff, you know, these are sinful things? Yeah, and I'm saying that because, listen, for two reasons we need to understand what God says here. Number one, we're saying this because God defines it, not us. We orient our lives to what he says. And it liberates us. If you really want to end confusion, then orient your lives to God and a relationship with Jesus Christ and get your identity in Him and let Him give you a new heart and get, let Him give you a new future and let Him give you the identity that will end confusion. Amen? And I say this because, again, one, God defines it, not us. Number two... Because I love the way he ends this section. 
Look again in verse 11, where he says, and that is what some of you were. You look at those 10 things, we could probably find ourselves in that list there somewhere. Probably a few times, if we look carefully enough. He says, that is what some of you were, but you were washed. In other words, we were purified. You were sanctified, which means to be made holy, to be set apart. And you were justified. We were redeemed. We were made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Remember that basic definition of justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So when we talk about this list of sinful things, we're not pointing fingers. We're not being haters. We're saying this is us. This is all of us. This is us in the list. And we are the ones who've been wonderful recipients, as anybody can be, of a glorious relationship with Jesus Christ that washes us, sanctifies us, and justifies us through faith in Him. That's the story of a born-again life. When you experience that transforming work of God in your heart and in your life, you might identify with these, with these sin issues in verses uh, 9 and 10. But the good news is, because of what Christ did for us, He forgives us of those things. He washes our sinful past, and He gives us a hope and a future in Him. That's the story of the gospel, and that's the good news, friends. Amen? So, that's the list, and He's warning the church, what are sinful things? Be aware of the culture. Be aware of what's creeping in. Be aware of the confusion and thank God for grace. Then he goes on in verse 12, and he says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So he uses this phrase actually twice. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. When my freedom might, notice, enslave me, is what he's going to say here further, and he's going to repeat this phrase in chapter 10, or if it stumbles others. So let me just keep reading uh, the rest of uh, this passage here. Verse 13, he says, Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Okay, so in this section, he talks about, hey, you might have some certain liberties, but not everything is beneficial, particularly if it, number one, enslaves me. When we get to chapter 10, he's going to talk about, and if it stumbles others, don't use your freedom. Because you might have the freedom, but it's not in the best interest of yourself or in the best interest of others. And then he's going to talk here again. He's not done about sexual sin and sexual immorality. Through the end of the chapter, he's talking about this. This is why we kind of made it PG-13. Because I, I want to point out to you how he talks about here in verse 15, that don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? He, he says basically, listen, when we belong to Christ, we need to understand the mystery of sexual union. It's a beautiful and profound mystery, and it is designed by God to be enjoyed within the context of marriage. But when you use and experience sexual relationship outside of God's divine design, 
He says, first of all, then you, you're, you're corrupting yourself. He says, you know, why would I take my life in Christ and unite it in a sexually immoral way? And then he says in verse 16, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh. Now, where is he quoting that from? What book of the Bible is he quoting, two will become one flesh? Genesis, he's quoting from Genesis 2.24, when God says to Adam and Eve, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Folks, listen, we need to understand, and this is important for people in the church to realize, that otherwise you won't recognize. Most people think, without an understanding of the Bible or God or Jesus, most people think that the act of sex is purely a physical experience. It is not. It is not purely a physical experience. When God said in Genesis 2.24, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and the two, the husband and wife, shall be united. The two shall become one flesh. When he says that, when God says that about the two becoming one flesh and being united, it is the Hebrew word dabach. Dabach is where you get the root word for glue in the Hebrew language. What God is saying is that through a physical union, there becomes a spiritual soul connection. It is not purely physical. It is also a soulish connection. And this is the important thing to realize about sexual experiences, because some people who think it doesn't really matter and I can just, you know, fool around and it's okay. What you end up doing is making a spiritual connection with every person you sleep with. And what happens is, and, I've, and I've, I can't tell you the number of people over years and years of ministry that I've spoken with, and so have, I'm no doubt all the other pastors too, along these lines, where people wonder why their heart still longs for someone that they had an affair with, or some college sweetheart that they had a relationship with years ago, and why they can't seem to connect with their spouse now. You know why? Because you gave away a little bit of your soul to the other people you've been sleeping with. That's the way God originally intended for sex to be. See, he intended it to be a glue for the marriage, that it was not just a sexual union, but it became a soulish tie where two people became one in a spiritual sense, that there's a mystery to the sexual experience where it is not exclusively physical, but it was also intended to be this spiritual connection. So here's what I tell people who have ended up giving away a little bit of their spirit to every person that they've slept with, and they have these spiritual connections along the way if you've had multiple partners over your lifetime. Pray and ask the Lord to break the bond of spiritual union that was never intended to be created with other people other than the person that you marry. And ask God to break that spiritual union. Ask Him to just break it. Now, you obviously can't go back and undo things that were done. We can be forgiven And God can break the spiritual tie that bound you to another that was never intended to be except within the context of marriage. And I've led many people over the years in just praying, God, this is what I encourage you to do. If you've had multiple partners or even one outside of marriage, you need to ask the Lord, God, I understand now the beautiful reason behind the sexual experience beyond procreation and reproduction, and even physical enjoyment. God, you created it for a spiritual union. And I gave away a little bit of my spirit along the way. And I ask you to break that with every person I've ever slept with, that my heart and my soul will be exclusively devoted to the one that I'm married to or the one I shall marry. And then you receive that in Jesus' name. But it is a soul tie that happens. And the Bible is explaining this to us. You, don't you understand? You become one with her. 
The two will become one flesh. Verse 17, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So we need to pray and ask the Lord if there's been sexual sin in our lives. Lord, break the sexual, uh, the, the soul ties and bonds with other people and make my heart exclusively devoted uh, to my spouse or to my future spouse. And then you determine to remain monogamous, that you are going to be devoted to that one individual that you're married to. And if you're not married... You, you don't you don't you don't get the freedom in that area. I'm sorry, friends. That's only devoted for those that's only exclusively for those who are married. So, and he's gonna talk here about the single status here in a minute too. So if we have enough time, maybe we'll get into some of this. If not, uh in a couple more weeks after Thanksgiving, we'll 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 have another PG thirteen. We might even step it up to R. I don't know. Chapter seven gets a little risque here. Verse eighteen flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. This is an interesting verse. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Isn't that interesting? He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Like we, we don't have the freedom to just do whatever we want with our bodies because our, the sum total of our being, body, soul, and spirit, belongs to the Lord. If we know Christ is our Savior, we belong to the Lord, and our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have no business abusing it or misusing it. We should be using our bodies for the glory of God. And when we engage in sexual sin, and I get it, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to come down. I understand a lot of people just don't understand. A lot of people just don't understand. I get that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be preaching to people who don't know. If you know better, then, then you should feel convicted. But if you don't know better, this is new information perhaps to some of you. But sexual sin is anything outside of the bounds of marriage between a husband and a wife, between one man and one woman. And if you commit sexual sin, it's interesting there. He says all other sins have a certain effect. And obviously, you know, we don't want to get into the game of what sins are worse than other sins, but there are some certain consequences of sexual sin that are unlike other sins, that there are some ramifications, and it goes back to the soul connection and the soul ties that happen with sexual sin, and it is unlike any other kind of sin in that sense, where your heart is then connected with other people, and so as a result, it takes on a whole different kind of ramification than other sins in general. That's why we need to understand our body is sacred to the Lord, temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to honor God with my body. I need to honor God with my mind. I need to honor God with everything else, my time, my resources, everything. It all belongs to the Lord. And so honor God with your body. Now, we got five minutes left, and I'm going to tackle the first part of chapter 7 because this is going to answer the question. Here's the other question I get, particularly years ago when I was in youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, like around the Civil War. Uh, I had I had teenagers come to me all the time, and this is no different because even some of you millennials, all right. <laughs> so I get the question like, "Where's the line, Pastor G? You know, how far can I go before it's too far in terms of you know physical stuff with somebody you're dating or you're going with?" Okay, so so he's going to write here in chapter seven, and Paul's going to address every kind of status. He's going to address the never marrieds. He's going to address. The previously married, whether you are widowed or divorced, and he's going to address um, uh, those who are married and you're a Christian and your spouse is not. So he's going to give all different kinds of scenarios. He's going to talk about those who are married but not happily. 
you're in a troubled marriage, when is it okay to check out? All right, all that's all this is in chapter seven. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection. As Pastor Gary Hamrick teaches through the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing this message again or others like it, feel free to visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies. And you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Simply look under the Teachings tab. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be excited to meet you if you're in the area. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We trust you've been blessed by today's teachings in the book of 1 Corinthians. Keep reading on your own to discover many other inspiring and motivating things that apply to you today. We'll look forward to you joining us on our next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.